Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a man of means, by no means. And I'm unimpressed. Welcome to episode 146, Uncensored 1995. Unsanctioned. Unauthorized. Unbelievable. So it says an exclamation point. I did it disappointingly. You guys did it as a question mark. Kind of threw our cards out here already. I am still unimpressed. (laughs) (laughs) This was the inaugural Uncensored, produced by WCW. It would take place on March 19th, 1995, from the Tupelo Coliseum in Tupelo, Mississippi, with an attendance of 5,780. 82 people. <laughs> We're in Tupelo. I mean, you know. That last, I think last show they had like 16,000. I'm trying to remember what they had on the last one. It was like 14, 16, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was a big number. It was over 13, double. 13, 13. Yeah, it was okay. over double. But like this is, uh, it's like, this seems kind of small, but we're also in Tupelo. But so, is, who is, goes to Tupelo? I mean, it is the. Is this the lowest Hogan turnout ever anywhere? Maybe. Probably. from a house show, maybe? Yeah. The uh, <laughs> Tupelo, like, we, like, when it was in Tupelo, I was like, I know we're going to have something on this show because I know if there's anything I think about with uh, when I hear Tupelo and wrestling, it's Tupelo concession stand match. That's where it, that's where it started. Is that what you've heard? Yeah. I've never heard this oh, saying it, before. Oh, it's, it started there. Um, like That's where the first like big concession stand match was, I believe. Uh, that's also where Onita got the idea for doing more like garbage match stuff after. Because he was, I think, in maybe the first or second one. I can't remember all the people that were involved. But like that's where they had the first concession stand match. It was a big deal. So, yeah. That's a, that's a thing. Huh. Maybe I'll do some research and before the show's over and actually get the cold hard facts but i do know that that is true and that's why here they have a tubelo concession match because there's somebody here that informed bischoff that 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 was where that started (laughs) maybe it was uh maybe it was dustin i don't know who knows but we are in mississippi we are so what deliciousness did shane bring us this week (laughs) yeah i don't know what this drink is called but i'd like to think it's called the crooked letter Am I crooked letter? Crooked letter? Crooked letter, crooked letter, I. This is. See if I can take a drink again without a face. We've been to Mississippi a few times already now, I believe. I think last time I brought some sort of Velvet Elvis or something delicious and flavorful and scrumptious. But, you know, oftentimes I try and match what I bring with the show. Whether it be not just where it's from, but sometimes what we need to make our way through it to make it a little more interesting. So yeah, in Mississippi, looked up the official cocktail of Mississippi because uncensored requires me to have some spirits because they um, killed all of mine. If this show uh, was in a prescription pill bottle, it would say... Uh, 
take with lots of alcohol. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be doing more than just taking them. We'd be like crushing them up and snorting them to make this show a little bit more fun. But yeah, the uh, official cocktail of Mississippi is the Mississippi Bourbon Punch. Apparently it is... It definitely uh, punches you in the face. Right. <laughs> it is the uh, a drink that uh, Audrey Hepburn, her character from Breakfast at Tiffany's, something that she drinks or is one of her favorite drinks that she mentions in the movie. Weird. It is cognac. It is some bourbon. And that might be a little bit too... I used a, 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 a Wild Turkey 101. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. No wonder it's strong. We're going bourbon. We're yeah, we're adding Shades a little bit of that burn. The uh, I'm thinking. I'm like you know in that movie she's uh, won't let a man light her cigarette. Mm-hmm. She could probably have just lit her cocktail on fire and put a, <laughs> and just like put like a straw in it and still sipped it and then when she needed a cigarette just puff off of the flame of her Ooh, drink. I wonder if those would light. <laughs> um, they would yeah. definitely light. Cognac. It's got the uh, bourbon. It has some lemon juice. A little bit of uh, simple syrup and a float of dark rum. They were way strong when I first made them, so I added a couple heaping spoons of powdered sugar to each of them to cut through four ounces of booze that's in it. Yeah. Let's just say they were way strong when he first gave them to us. Yeah, yeah. and they're still way they're strong. They're still way strong. <laughs> yeah, it does, like, but it, it does actually taste pretty good, yeah. but this is not a, like, wind down glass of wine kind of thing no no this, this is uh we're gonna fuck some shit up yeah yeah this is uh this is unsanctioned this is unauthorized this is unbelievable, unbelievable. yeah i uh, i imagine <laughs> and i am still unimpressed yeah. i imagine that this is probably what old uh dustin and uh, it's getting a little better as as it melts a little more and blacktop probably threw something back of this strength before they loaded into the semi oh yeah as but, per you know. usual we're drinking out of uh, inspirational or cups uh we have mine demolition representing smash aka the blacktop bully we have michael with the uh orange goblin and then we have. I got Matthew the ultimate surprise. With the ultimate Ooh, surprise, ultimate exactly. Surprise! <laughs> oh, I've been collecting these glasses for quite a while, and there's a few that are like really hard to find. You need but a cocoa beware. I don't. There's not one. But uh, I don't know. I can't find it. My Miss Elizabeth glass, which was the most expensive one, and I need it. Is it? Okay. Well, I mean, it's the yeah, it's one of the, the smaller sets. Okay, ones, cool. Yeah. I'm it's glad it's you just saw. not with the others. It's okay. mixed in with the big cups. Okay, cool. Because I was of a bodyguard. I was sad. That one was pricey. I am very cheap. Pretty, fr- <laughs> pretty. I mean, pretty frugal. Like, but uh, I've been collecting these, and I'm like, damn. If I have to replace the Miss Elizabeth glass, like, that's a fucking high ticket number. I'm thinking, you know, it says to garnish these with a uh, a wedge of orange, which you know I put an orange slice in there, but then it also calls for a cherry. So uh, that cherry may have been that missing ingredient <laughs> that would have just cut through everything. Yeah, because it's kind of like with the cherry and the orange, it's kind of like a trashy um, old fashioned. Old fashioned yeah, yep. the orange <laughs> you can taste the orange. Old trashing. You know what this drink says? Hmm. It says Happy Birthday. Oh my God! Oh, hey. Happy Because this week's Michael's birthday. Oh my gosh! Ooh. It's your birthday. The show that we're watching takes place on my sister's birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we record in advance, so it is not truly near my birthday, but I appreciate the well wishes. And I'll get another birthday when we record probably on my birthday in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm glad. Thanks for the celebratory drinks. Hey, you bet. And I'm glad that I'm... To uh, Mississippi Punch Drunk. So, reach out, reach out and wish 
Yeah. Michael, uh, happy birthday mm-hmm. as well this yeah. week. Okay. A man of no means, or a man of means by no means. Uh, Which means is send, it means send or your, meme? No, no, my man of no man of means by no means. I don't know why I keep messing it up. It's King of the Road uh, is the joke that I was doing. Gotcha. Because oh, okay. It's gotcha. a good reference. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of means by no means. King of the Road. It's a good song. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> totally went over my head. I like. You, I like. Me now some, that you've explained it, I get it. it. Went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I like some classic, uh, classic country. Also classic wrestling. Yeah, Unfortunately, like we're not going to get any of rock at one point. Mm, yeah. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring it down a little bit yeah, after the happy can, birthday. As, mm-hmm. as you do. With, like I do sometimes. <laughs> so right around, right around the same time <laughs> as this show happened, we lost two legends in the music industry. In Easy E or Eric Wright, it's all the same. And Selena, Aww. rough. They both died the same week. Yes. Wow. Uh, not I assume not the same day. Easy E, of course, passed to the, uh, HIV, the AIDS virus, and uh, Selena was uh, brutally murdered by the head of her fan club. Yeah. Ooh, really rough one. Uh, super sad. Um, I've seen the Selena movie so many times that and la bomba were just like cable classics i feel like See, the bomba was all here's about, the I question i have movie. too much for you or you just didn't like it i i've never been a big jennifer lopez fan i'm a fan of hers but it's for mostly aesthetic reasons <laughs> agreed here's the, here's the question i have though did you know of selena before that movie no i did not but i'm also yes younger I, I did. I didn't. I mean, I, 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 I don't. I don't mean it by any. Because like, so. you yeah. were young, I was young. I mean, you were. Yeah, I was you were a little bit senior in high school. Senior so. in high school. So I mean, you probably would have had the best opportunity to know who. She was. I literally had no clue who this person was yeah. until this movie came out. Until she, the movie came out. Yeah, there's a uh, a lady I work with. I say lady, but she's a uh, uh, she's the same age as me, and she is Mexican. But when she was a little kid, like she knew. Selena and was a huge fan and like I remember there was a Selena song playing at work and she was talking about like how her parents had to like sit her down and tell her about it and like you know I mean Selena huge star in Mexican not, yeah radio. like she was probably on her way to potentially cross over mm-hmm. here and and people were aware of her but like she was a huge celebrity kind of the same way where like Shakira to us is like oh well it's just Shakira but Shakira if you go South of the U.S. border is like Selena amounts of popular. Yeah, yeah. I know people that like they're like, oh, I learned how to uh, speak English from listening to like Selena and like uh, not Selena but um, Christina Aguilera and like Shakira albums because they did albums in English and in Spanish, and they're like, oh, that's how I learned how to because I was a big fan of the music and it, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was always a big, I mean, uneasy. I'm a I love NWA. I'm a huge Easy E fan. I listen to a lot of his solo albums. I've listened to I know probably ninety. Well, I'll say eighty nine or eighty five percent of the words because there's some on that album that I will not sing when I sing along to that record. But I know like every word <laughs> to uh, Straight Out of Compton. It is uh, a favorite of mine. Absolutely. Yeah, I knew more about Selena than I did Easy E at the time because I mean, small town Nebraska. Yeah, we, it was, rap music wasn't your thing. Yeah. Also, as a kid, I was not familiar with like NWA. That was a thing that I got into yeah, I mean, in middle yeah, school. Exactly when I was getting into like music in a heavy way and buying, spending whatever money I ever had on like 
CDs and stuff, and I didn't really have any like rap music to speak of outside of like maybe a Beastie Boys record. And I bought. I mean, I was in high Compton, and I was like, "Well, this is the greatest thing ever." And then in high school, when we started smoking pot, it was blasting NWA. I mean, the Chronic Two came out while I was in high school, and so that made me go back. Yeah. And listen to more of Dre, which obviously led me to NWA yeah. and so Chronic Two Thousand. Great album. That's one of the best albums ever. Yeah, in my opinion, I like it a lot. But I, it's, it's such a, it was such a like watershed album because I remember how huge it was. I think I was probably in like maybe eighth grade or freshman year when that one came out. And like any time you went anywhere, went to a friend's house, it was just playing. Well, let's go ahead and move on to some wrestling. Or whatever uncensored decides to call this. I mean, there's no rules, so what are we doing here anyway? We can do whatever the fuck we want. (laughs) Yeah. So we see highlights of competitors as the logo comes on the screen. Tony Schiavone then welcomes us to the show with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mike Tanay by his side. Hey there. Yeah. Bobby lets us know that, uh, you know, anything can happen. Jordan's back. Uh, in, Mike Tyson's out of prison. Yeah, Jordan's back. Mike Tyson's out of prison. <laughs> like, you know, we're uncensored, baby. <laughs> Never know who's going to show up. They preview the matches of the show before Tanae mentions that Hogan has his ultimate surprise. <gasps> the Renegade will be with him tonight. Surprise! He had announced it during the pre-show on Main Event. Bum, bum, bum. Which we'll see some footage of on the show as well. Um, when, I hear, when I hear Renegade, I just think of... Uh, Lemons No, I think of, there's a Thin Lizzy song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the name of their greatest hits album. Yeah, so. I think of that cheesy show with Lorenzo Lamas on a motorcycle. Yeah, sounds cool. If you're going to have a show about a guy on a motorcycle, Renegade is a good name. Yeah. But while they're finishing talking up, all of a sudden footage starts on the screens behind them. And they were like, oh, we... It's starting. We gotta go. And they send it to our first match. King of the Road match. The Natural Dustin Rhodes versus Blacktop Bully. We see them in the bed of an 18-wheeler while it's moving. My first note. What the actual fuck? (laughs) We have our first (laughs) cinematic match, guys. It's cinematic, but like, I don't know if it's... I... Don't know if it's actually live. It is not. But it was filmed like three days before in Atlanta. Which totally makes sense. And that's fine. But they don't cut it in a cinematic way, really. Like, it is the whole thing. It's bizarre. It is very edited. And we will talk more about that at the end of the match. It's also very, um, like, very expensive. They got a fucking helicopter out here. That's like at least $10,000. So the object of the match is to activate the truck horn, which is atop a pole at the front of the flatbed. Yeah, because so it's like a semi, and then the trailer instead of it's like a it's like a big cage basically. The trailer's a big cage, and it's filled with like so it's a combined cinematic slash something on a pole match. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yes. Yeah, uh, you you have to uh, get to the coal miner's lunch horn, uh, <laughs> but it's filled with hay, so you can see through everything because it's a giant long cage and there's hay and maybe a couple poles, some buckets of water and stuff. But then in the corner, on like the driver's side, you have to climb up and there is a the like the trucker horn. You know, you do the whenever you drive by one as a kid. 
That's what we're trying to do. We could get WWE to like do a a Hell on Wheels match or something like that and put Hell in a Cell on wheels and drive it around a parking lot. Hell on Wheels, Bob Sparkplug, Holly versus (laughs) The Undertaker. There we go. Great balls of fire. (laughs) So we see the match start. with With special guest driver... Fuck, I was about to say Tom Petty. What's Richard Petty? Oh, Mike. That was my joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can cut it. So Dustin's climbing, but Bully hits a low blow before slamming Rhodes into the steel and then into some hay bales. There's Paid. a There's a camera in a car next to the 18-wheeler, and they also, like you said, they have a helicopter following as well. Yeah, I think there's also maybe like a mounted camera near the... On the semi. On the yeah, semi. Like the yeah. There's also a microphone in the corner, too. <laughs> on top of a semi. Blacktop Bully throws the natural into the back before trying to go for the horn, but he is slow to get there, allowing Dustin to come back with a fence post to the gut, knocking Bully down. Rhodes with a pile driver, a swinging drop kick, and starts pounding on Blacktop Bully with right hands. The natural then slams a bale of hay over the head of Bully, but Blacktop Bully comes back with a bull rope, wrapping it around Dustin's throat. Bales of hay are heavy, from what I remember. That's, they, uh, are, they are heavy. Yeah. <laughs> They're like 50 pounds. Yeah, that's, that's a, a heavy something to be dropping on his head. Rhodes grabs a gas can, soaking Bully with it, while the truck slows to make a turn. And this is where we see is Young Bobby, Bobby puts out. No, no, Bobby puts it, uh, our Mississippi condos, where it's like a trailer park. He's like, yeah. But the Mississippi condo is really funny. The natural climbs and he jumps for the horn, but misses and falls into hay, allowing for Blacktop Bully to come back to start brawling again. Dustin with a back suplex, but falls down with the movement of the truck, which allows Bully to make his way towards the horn, only to fall down as the truck makes another turn. Rhodes has a wooden crate in hand, smashing Blacktop Bully with it, but Bully comes right back with a clothesline attempt, which the natural ducks sending Blacktop Bully stumbling over a barrier. More brawling when Dustin goes for a body slam, but the two men are too tired as we see stuff falling off the side of the truck. I mean, you have to imagine that even though this isn't particularly visually, it's visually compelling, but not very arresting. Yeah. But the, uh, this thing's moving, so they're constantly like... Being thrown be, like Yeah, side. and they're like shuffling to stay on their feet and stuff. That has got to tire you out so fast. Oh, yeah. Like, it might not look like much, but just like you know, you're constantly using your muscles to stay upright in a moving vehicle. Like, that has got to wear you out quick. Bully starts to climb the siding, but a low blow by Rhodes brings him down and starts to stomping. The natural then tries to climb, only for Blacktop Bully to tear his shirt off while bringing him back down to the hay. I love that Blacktop Bully, like, actually teases a fall to the asphalt, and you're like, oh no, you're way too over the edge. Dustin grabs a trough and throws it at Bully as the truck comes to a stop sign, forcing them to slow. The video starts to cut out while Blackhawk Bully climbs to the top, with Rhodes following up. They're both hanging onto the outside of the metal surrounding, but the natural is knocked down to the bed, only to somehow get bullied down as well as the video cuts out again. The two men just continue to brawl when Blacktop Bully misses a clothesline but recovers by throwing the gas can and jumping off the steel barrier with a clothesline. 
Bullyden is climbing up one side while Dustin's climbing up the other. Both are reaching for the horn when Blacktop Bully slaps Rhodes hard enough to knock him down, allowing him to pull the lever to blow the horn for the win. I did the motion. So, like I said, this match was very heavily edited. So you can't... It looked kind of clean, though. So you can't tell. Maybe I wasn't paying much attention. But both of these men bladed, and for that, would be fired a few days later. What? I wonder if they got fired on the day of the show as it aired. What? It's very possible. <laughs> what? Like, they're in a moving vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like, like they should blade. I, I assume they cut the blading out, but I do feel like I saw maybe a little blood on Dustin's head. Because I was curious if there was the video quality is a little worse than normal because of the types of cameras they're using, and they're not in an arena. With a hard cam and quality equipment, they're uh, on the road. They're kings of the road, if you will. So this would be the last time we see Dustin in a WCW ring for quite some time. Is it seven years? Hmm. Not quite that long. I know, it's just a joke. But I know what the joke <laughs> is. I know what you're getting at, yes. We then go to the back, and Mike Tanay's there with Arn Anderson, Ming, and Colonel Robert Parker. Anderson says that the stud stable is going for the clean sweep tonight, before talking about Johnny B. Bad and how he's going to have to avoid the big left, to trying to take him down with the DDT. Parker then starts rambling about Ming's martial arts style, but thankfully Tanay cuts him off to send it to a video package where we see a match from Super Brawl where Duggan is thrown into Parker, which brings Ming into the ring to hit a thrust kick. Later in the evening, Ming is then sent to the back by Kamish Bockwinkle, followed by Parker saying that Ming is transitioning to a wrestler on an episode of Saturday Night. As he should. Mm-hmm. We know what he can do. He's better than an old Ray Trainer, right? Yeah, is he in the ring? Always maybe has, has been. I mean, I mean, maybe not here tonight, but we know his bona fides. So we're headed to our second match: Ming with Colonel Robert Parker versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a martial arts match. This reminds me of when we did the uh, like ECW show, and each match had a name, even if it didn't have like a weird rule. It'd be like it's the blah blah blah, you know. King of the, king of the king of the garbage match, the Oscar the Grouch match, or whatever. And uh, this one, all they all have names, but for reasons. This one's a martial arts ma- martial arts match. So we see Ming in full wardrobe as he comes to the ring. He's got cool gear. He's cool. It basically, looks like a geisha ninja. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, but it looks good on him. It looks it looks neat. The ref of the match is Sunny Ono in a full gi. Oh, no. We get USA chants starting up as Ono brings the two men in to bow, respectively, to get the match started. Does uh, Hacksaw have a steel 2x4? Or was that just like the color grading or something? It looked like his 2x4 was a piece of metal. And I was like, it's really funny for him to come out to a gimmick match with a 2x4, but it's just a piece of steel. That's like in, you know, the shape of a 2x4. It, was still wood. it probably is, but I just, like, it when he was walking out, I was like... It looks like it's metal, but it might just be a, <laughs> like a color grading thing or the light hitting it. 
Uh, old racist hacksaw though. During his little, I don't want to bow. I'm gonna make mocking noises. <laughs> I mean, that's wrestling. Wrestling uh, is about like thirty percent racism. Like you know, it's not as it's not like especially purely, from the faces. Yeah, not purely like like disgusting, but more of a like I don't know xenophobic than it is like outwardly like yeah I don't know but the I love that uh, Bobby says Sonny when he hears Sonny Ono he's like oh I think he used to be married to Cher <laughs> uh -huh. I wonder if he knows Tito's sister <laughs> Ariba <laughs> so Hacksaw finally bows to the official only to again stall when he's asked to bow to his opponent but when he finally does Ming takes advantage with a kick to the face Duggan looks taller than I ever really thought. Like for some reason, he's a big man. He is a big man, but he's normally in the ring with big men, I guess. Yeah. So he just like looks big because Ming has looked big because he's a bodyguard. But we all know he's a fucking Samoan. Like we've seen him a bunch. But uh, yeah, here I'm like, damn, Duggan's fucking big. Ming dominates early on with chops and kicks until Duggan takes his boot off to use as a weapon. But Ming comes back with an elbow to the head before locking on a nerve hold. USA! USA! Hacksaw escapes with a boot shot to the foot of Ming, but it only gives a moment of reprieve as Ming comes back with more chops and the nerve hold once more. USA! Hacksaw continually fights out to get a few shots in, only for Ming to recover to go back to the nerve hold. Good God. I love that it. it's like, oh, nerve hold, headbutt. You know better Nerve than hole. that. Nerve hole. Ming headbutts Duggan out to the apron, where Colonel Parker uses his handkerchief to choke Hacksaw before delivering a throat thrust, but misses multiple elbow drops, allowing Duggan to make a full comeback with a tin count of mounted punches. Ono pulls Hacksaw off, so Duggan acts like he's going to dump the ref to the outside, allowing Ming to attack from behind, but Hacksaw ducks the clothesline and hits a three-point stance. Only for Ming to no-sell it. That's my dude. Yeah, dude, fuck your three-point stance. Yep. Fuck you, Jim Duggan. Yep. Duggan starts to go after Ming when Colonel Parker jumps on the apron. So Hacksaw starts wailing on him instead. The ref grabs his arm to stopping, allowing Ming to hit a savat kick. For the pin. And, and the, the win. win. And new guy that finally beat Jim Duggan in a WCW <laughs> ring. Like, it was just nice to see Duggan lose. You know what I mean? We go to the locker room. Mike Tanay's there with Johnny B. Bad and his trainer, Rock Finnegan. Mm -hmm. Bad says that his gloves might be in a disadvantage, but he's sending Arn to Dreamland. Tanay then sends us to a video package where we see Anderson cutting a promo driving about driving a pickup instead of a Mercedes. Yeah, he's like stand. He like gets out in a bomber jacket, closes the door of like a Bronco in like a field. And he's just like, I'm a wrestler, that's what I do. And it's the best. Yeah, it really it's, is. It's so good. He also talks about being the best wrestler until we see various clips of him beating up people. Yeah, the packages here are pretty good. They like just only get power moves for, for each guy, but they string like a good like six to ten of them next to each other quickly. And it's it gets you like, you know, it makes spine everybody bust, look spine kind bust, of even. Spine bust, spine yeah, bust. yeah, it's awesome. So we're headed to our third match. Arn Anderson with Colonel Robert Parker versus Johnny B. Bad with Rock Finnegan 
in a boxer versus wrestler match. And what might these rules be? There will be 10 three-minute rounds with one minute of rest between each. And you can win by pin or submission, like in wrestling, or by knockout, like in boxing. But not a TKO. Mm-hmm. Ten three-minute rounds? I'm like, no way. No, with a one-minute break? I'm like, you can't. We, we can't. It's a 40-minute match. You can't do this to me. Never going to happen. <laughs> so Tony begins the match by speculating about the whereabouts of Jimmy Hart, with Heenan responding with, who cares? Sometimes I feel that way. Exactly. Yeah. I love the that they actually have like the first round of like the boxing graphics on the screen. It's a nice touch. If you're going to do it, I guess do it. Do it all the way, right? Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it good. So round one starts as Johnny gets several jabs in to start backing Anderson into a corner to deliver more blows. But Arn heads to the outside to regroup. Back in the ring where Bag continues to dominate, he's keeping double A at arm's length with his jab. Anderson goes for a single leg takedown, only for Johnny to avoid and continue to pound away to finish the round. I know Arn is just uh, kind of locked up here. A little bit. Tony Schiavone also talks about Ali and Inoki. We see the cornerman giving advice as before round two starts us up. As Arn takes Bad to the corner. Only for Johnny to hit some right hands for an eight count. Double A takes bad down, misses an elbow drop, but that allows Johnny to knock him back down for a six count. Arn's really getting the business. Mm-hmm. Body shots by bad that have Anderson going down in a heap. And I guess, and this is where I realized that there wasn't a TKO rule because yeah. this is the third time he's gone down. Yeah. Uh, also, like, Arn is in his normal gear. Johnny has gloves on. Because it's a boxer versus wrestler, wrestler. match. Yeah, for Even sure. the boxer is a wrestler. <laughs> Semantics. Oh, I forgot where I was. Once Arn is back to his feet, Johnny just continues the punishment as the round ends. Bad plays to the crowd as he heads to his corner, only for Double A to attack him from behind and DDT him. Ooh, that beard. cheap shot DDT. We love to see it. Finnegan drags Johnny to the corner and tells him the jab is working. But you gotta watch out for the end of the round. He's sucker shotting you. He's Arn Anderson. Yeah. We don't want it any other way. All of a sudden, Anderson shoves Rock out of the way, delivers some left hands of his own before yelling at the ref. No DQ, right? Double A tosses Bad over the ropes to the floor as the bell for round three rings. Colonel Parker gets a shot in. Before Johnny rolls in for Anderson to body slam and knee dropping. Arn starts using chokes. Throws him into a corner where Parker's holding a stool. Before hitting a spine buster. Finnegan hops into the ring and jumps on double A's back. No DQ. He gets tossed off allowing Anderson to just go back to punishing bad with a jawbreaker. Hey. I know, there's booze for Arn Anderson. You guys gotta chill. I mean, Johnny's been a pretty strong staple of WCW for five years at this point, but... Or close to it. Johnny starts firing up, only to be tossed to the outside once more, where Colonel Parker gets a few more kicks in as the round ends. Arn tosses Bad to his corner, causing him to run into Rock, but they both no-sell it, allowing Finnegan to cut the gloves <sighs> loose. I love the, the, the way the gloves are 
taped on. It's just like some white tape. Double A again attacks before the bell, hitting a body slam before saying he is coming for Rock after he is done with Johnny, allowing Bad to hit a right hand to the gut. Shivani asks if we're still in the rest period, and the brain has the correct response. Who knows? <laughs> Johnny shoves Anderson into a corner where Finnegan puts a bucket onto Arn's head <gasps> as the bell rings for round four. <clears throat> Bad with a big left hook to the bucket head, which also knocks his glove off, and follows up with the kiss that don't miss for the knockout and, and no the win. win. The kiss, the kiss that doesn't miss. This was kind of better than I expected, but mostly for the the whole Popeye bucket of it all. Yes. Because <laughs> that shit's funny. And Arn with a bucket on his head, it's like... Arn Anderson is so good and so great and so well loved and respected that like he can fucking take a bucket on the head and we still don't think any less of Arn Anderson. Mm. I mean, I'm just trying to point out some moderate positives. Moderate positives. Like I'm, a dying battery. I'm trying, but like a dying battery. As I've said a few times already, I am still unimpressed. Yeah, maybe the yeah. <laughs> you're you're only gonna be able to change the channel once, so you better pick a good one. Like, but this is a light positive. A more. Yeah. Maybe maybe my impression is somewhere down here. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little bit better because I put away he most is of this thing. See? Down around that I'm spot. Yeah, yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I'm at like moderate positive. Matt, how are you? You're almost at that spot too. I'm just moderate. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. we're not going to get glowing positive. I, I mean, yeah, I'm all for, you know, the little funny whatever, but Arn with the bucket on his head. Some, and, we could have put the bucket on somebody else's head. Yeah, put the bucket on Rock's head. Put the bucket on Parker's head. Put the bucket on Bunkhouse Buck's head. Put Bunkhouse Buck in here. He's not there, so I'm I know, okay. but just like instead of Arn Anderson. If you put the bucket on his head, that means he'd have to show up. I'm just saying it's a positive thing. Well, hopefully that, now that Dustin's fired from WCW, that means Bunkhouse Buck will just be done. Who else is he going to fight? Lord willing. What are they going to do with Blacktop Bully? He already got fired. He's fired too. Oh, yeah, sorry. He is also fired. Could this be the end of the studs table? My fingers are crossed. You can't see through the microphone. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we can bring back... Well, we will never get the Dangerous Alliance again. Or what's the my favorite one with... Uh... Ricky Steamboat versus Rick Rude? Oh, well, that's oh. one of my favorite matches of all time. <laughs> but no, uh, Alexandra... Uh, the York, York Foundation. The York Foundation. Love the York Foundation. That shit's corny as fuck. But at least there was good wrestlers in there. Mm -hmm. I still miss Terrence Taylor. Yeah. Bobby Eaton. R.I.P. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or no, uh, not Bobby Eaton. Uh, yeah, he's dead. Richard Morton. Yeah. Well, they called him Richard. Robert Eaton. Robert Would have been his name. <laughs> yes. He wasn't there, but... Tony then sends us to a video package, and we see highlights of Macho Man Randy Savage. We then go to Mike Tanay in the locker room, where he's joined by Savage, and he... And Randy is he talking? He, he's, he's talking, talking. this time. <laughs> it's it's a not as good of a promo. Though. And he says a bunch of things that don't make much sense. But at the end, Macho shoves Tanay before saying, "I don't even know what I'm saying right now." Okay, he I'll knock you out. He wasn't. Get perfect. that smile off your face right now. I'll take anybody out on the way. No more, Mister Nice Guy, brother. See you later. Yeah. He's like, I didn't, I was not prepared. I'm not talking is still one of my favorite things. <laughs> We're hot off of I'm not talking. But this one was disappointing because 
He talked, and it wasn't nearly as good. Yeah, well, he talked, and he didn't know what he was saying. I'm not talking. The, just the, like, saying I'm not talking instead of just not talking is so funny. And nobody, like, he, it's a shame that Savage died so young because we have wrestlers that go out there now and do, like, comedy circuits. Could you imagine Randy Savage in character paying $30 to go see him talk for an hour? For something like that, I totally would. It would be so good. Like the Randy Savage rap albums or whatever. Yeah. No. 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 no but like the way that like Doug Duggan was doing it like years ago, going he's still in, doing he's it. Always, he's still doing it. Like Foley does it, but like, can you imagine Macho doing it? Because like Duggan does stand up. Yeah. He does like the talking tour. I don't know if it's okay. really stand up. Like kind of like Mick Foley, where you, they do comedy Tales clubs. From the road. Yeah, yeah. But could you imagine Savage? It would have been so good. So we're headed to our fourth match. Macho Man Randy Savage versus Avalanche with Kevin Sullivan in a no-DQ match. Hmm. It's uncensored. Macho jumps on Avalanche as soon as he rolls into the ring with right hands and eye gouges. This is Macho's first singles match in WCW. He gets a standing ovation. I know there's only 5,000 people, but he gets a full standing ovation. Macho Man is still a star. Savage Vince, Vince McMahon. Savage ducks a charge after a whip to the corner, then tries some shoulder blocks to no avail. Avalanche starts taunting, so Macho just slaps him, but this fires up the big man to hit a shoulder block. Avalanche tries for another, only for Savage to low bridge to send the big man to the floor. Followed by Macho coming off the top with a crossbody, and then running Avalanche into the ring post before slamming his head into the stairs. Posted. Savage tries for a body slam, but Avalanche is too heavy, so he falls on top of Macho for a two count, followed by an elbow and leg drop for a near fall. Shivani and Bobby start talking about Jimmy Hartigan. He's MIA or MIT missing in Tupelo. (laughs) Avalanche hits a belly-to-belly suplex. A drop kick and a body slam. Macho Man's getting the business. Before going for another elbow drop. Only for Savage to move. So the big man just dumps Macho out to the floor to deliver punishment by running him into a ring post. Posted. I mean, you know, he had to return the favor. Savage keeps climbing up to the apron. Only for Avalanche to knock him off several times. Until the big man tries to bring Macho in with a suplex only to be countered into a stun gun across the ropes. Savage flies into the ring off the top rope with a double axe handle, hits several clotheslines that daze Avalanche, followed by a sunset flip. No! Which the big man just sits down on Macho. Avalanche then hits a splash, a power slam, and he begins to make the ring rumble before going for the Avalanche splash. But Savage rolls out of the way in time. Nice. The big man with right hands in the corner, but Macho fights back with a back elbow, rolling up Avalanche for a near fall, only because Savage gets off of him because the big man didn't make any effort to get his shoulders up. (laughs) Which the brain rightfully pointed out. Yeah, he's probably pretty gassed, honestly, because Avalanche has been doing big power moves to Macho Man. And this is the most amount of power moves we've really seen from Avalanche. We've seen him like run the ropes and stuff, but he's been lifting and tossing Macho this whole match. 
Macho heads up to the top, coming off with a double axe handle, only for Avalanche to catch him and slam him back first into a corner, followed by a power slam and a second rope splash attempt, but Savage moves in time. Macho heads up top again, while Avalanche rolls to the outside, so Savage just adjusts to hit another double axe handle to the floor. I love the double axe handle and how people just pop for it. It's so simple, but like nobody does it like he does it. Except for, you know, Velveteen Dream had a chance. <laughs> he had a chance. Wouldn't have been the same, but he had a chance. All of a sudden, we see a woman jump the railing and attack Macho from behind, punching the ref away even, before going back to Savage, ramming him into a guardrail and delivering chops. Tony reminds us that this is uncensored. So the match will continue as everyone rolls into the ring, where Avalanche starts up the rumble. The woman takes her wig off, and it's Ric Flair! What? I, That's uncalled for. I knew it was somebody, but it's like, and then it was Ric Flair, and it legitimately blew my mind. And it blows Bobby's mind, too, because he won't shut up about it for the rest of the show. Because That's not the Ric Flair he knows. Ric Flair did not half-ass it. His fingernails are painted. Mm -hmm. He has high heels on. He has a full face makeup on. It is pretty wild. And I kind of understand where Bobby is coming from. His might be a little bit more like gay panic than my uh, feelings. <laughs> but they're still in a similar place. The big man hits an avalanche splash. And Flair starts beating on Macho some more. When Hulk Hogan comes running down to the ring. Clearing it with his mere presence. The ref recovers <laughs> and says the match must continue. No, wait. Right, no. He actually calls for the disqualification, in making a, Savage the winner. In, no DQ in match. a no DQ match. Who cares if a lady came out of the of the crowd? Who cares if it wasn't a lady at all and it was Ric Flair? Who cares if Ric Flair transitioned to a lady and he's the lady that came out of the crowd? It doesn't matter. It's no DQ. There's a theme for this show. Who cares? Bobby said it best. <laughs> we go to the back. Mike Tanay's there with Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. And Stevie says he is jacked about no rules and no regulations. While Booker says he's going to hit the nasties with something foreign, if you know what I mean. And they're going to leave Tupelo obliviated. Mike then goes to Sherry for her comments, but just cuts her off in the middle as... We're running short on time. Yeah. As they're running short on time, and Sister Sherry stares him down. <laughs> Sherry, so. Sherry is the fucking best. We all know that, but like, she plays no games. Yeah. I mean, you have no. She other plays the game, but doesn't play. But doesn't play. I'm gonna say this: watching her as a kid, I was just kind of like, whatever. Okay, watching her now, I've gotten a much better respect for what she did. She's the best. She takes and the she bumps. Is great. Like. Her and Savage teamed up. Like the work that she, no matter who you put her next to, she delivers a hundred and ten percent of the time. Mm -hmm. She might be the like most consistent, one of the most consistent talents in general. Mm -hmm. Like even if she just, even if her promo is not particularly good, she's completely there. Like in intensity and in character. Tony then sends us to a video package where we see footage of the Guardian Angel. But he's had a change of heart after he and Sting had a confrontation at Clash of the Champions 30. 
He would change his name and attitude to Big Bubba Rogers. And he's looking for a fight with the Stinger. Mike Tanay's then in a locker room with Sting, who says he's in a mood. He's on fire. And words can't describe it. Yeah. I would have preferred him just to say, I'm not talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sting, never a good promo. I do like his uh, makeup here is nice. The thick white and red looks good. But Surfer Sting always looks good. He's handsome. His makeup is always cool. And he always has cool gear. That's what he's good at. Talking and wrestling, maybe not his strong points. So we go to our fifth match. Big Bubba Rogers versus Sting in an Anything Goes match. So this is what's going to take over for Dustin Rhodes and Bunkhouse Buck fighting all the time. Because uh, I swear I've seen Sting and Big, Boss Man and Big Bubba and Guardian Angel and... Has there been another one in there? I mean, they had the triple the triple match with Vader yeah, in there. Just in, in the which, time Sting, that... which Sting and Guardian Angel didn't face <laughs> each other. True. Yeah. They didn't. They then had the tag match, whereas uh, Big Bubba yeah, Rogers and I feel like Sting Avalanche and, versus Sting and Macho Man. That's really the only time we've seen these two people in the same ring yeah. together. I mean, at uh, least he's not Guardian Angel anymore. I, I guess. just feel like they've always been at each other's throats. plus side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Moderately optimistic. Moderately optimistic, Mike. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. And I am still unimpressed. <laughs> I like I like how it's it's like in a no DQ match. It's like why didn't you just call it an uncensored match for the uncensored pay per view, in an uncensored match? Well, hopefully, because anything... as we found out from the King of the Road match, there was stuff uh, censored. True, 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 yeah. true. Well, I'm hoping that anything doesn't go in this one, but yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Bubba shoves the stinger, putting his finger into his face, so Sting just bites it. And punches down Rogers. He must have been hanging out with Hogan. Hey, that's how you get in the main event these days. (laughs) Before grabbing his hat and coat to choke Bubba, followed by a drop kick to send Rogers to the floor. Bubba's yelling about about getting his hat back when the Stinger just elbow drops it before tossing it out into the crowd. While Rogers enters the ring only to receive a back body drop. My favorite is he actually leg drops it, which is extra, a little bit more funny than elbow dropping it, but still very stupid. And I hope whoever got that hat still has it. Still has it. Because what a, what a piece of wrestling history. Yes. I rake and stomps by Sting before hitting a body slam and an elbow drop, followed by tossing Bubba from post to post, sending Rogers back out to the floor. Bubba trips up the Stinger tries to crotch him on the ring post, only for Sting to use his powerful legs to pull Rogers into the post head first. Posted. Sting gets Bubba back into the ring where he just continues the punishment with a splash and right hands before tossing him to the corner, only for Rogers to slide out to the ring, which the Stinger follows him out. Bubba slides back into the ring and starts running the ropes while Sting goes for a leapfrog but lands wrong on his knee to hurt it. Oh, no. Rogers takes control Cobb County style, working over that leg, even going to a spinning toehold. Tony brings up the Stinger's knee injury from five years ago as Bubba drops knees on the bad leg, followed by clipping it from behind. Body guillotine by Rogers, followed by another baseball slide to the fore 
to slap Sting on as the crowd begins to rumble for the Stinger. Bubba clips the knee again, tries for a pile driver, only for Sting to counter with a back body drop, but he can't take advantage with the bum knee. So Rogers goes right back on the attack, locking on a half crab. The Stinger tries to power out, so Bubba switches it to an ankle lock before hitting a body slam and heading up top, only for him to slip and fall down to the mat. Oh, I know, and it's one of those slips that's like, well, was it on purpose or not on purpose? It was not on purpose, as Sting was getting up to press slam him down to the mat. Yeah, but they recovered pretty well. They did. Yeah, I will say that. They didn't lose the plot. Sting heads up top for a single sledge, followed by a body slam, but he falls backwards onto the ropes, out of pain. Roger sees this, and he goes for another baseball slide to the floor, right-hand combo. But the Stinger was playing possum, dragging Bubba back into the ring with a choke before applying a sleeper. Sting tosses him off into the turnbuckle and reapplies the sleeper, only for Rogers to escape with a jawbreaker using his tie. Love Bubba, that move. Just grabbing the tie. Just a little extra, a little extra bit. Yeah, I'll give him, I'll give him credit for that one. That one... Could have been a jawbreaker, jawbreaker with a tie. Looks better. You assume it hurts more. Bubba goes for a haymaker right hand, which the Stinger ducks, grabbing Rogers for a release German suplex, followed by a top rope splash for the pin. And no, Bubba kicks out. Sting hits a back elbow, which sends Rogers into the ropes and bounces him off right into a clip of the knee of the Stinger inadvertently Sting crawls to a corner where Bubba charges in only for him to duck causing Rogers to hit the turnbuckle head first the Stinger then goes for a body slam but the knee buckles causing Bubba to fall on top for the pin and And the the win the crowd hates it they hate they hate that Bubba won Uh for good reason did we just see a match with psychology guys? We did. In a Hogan led WCW? Yeah, with Sting and Ray Trailer. I'm gonna let you guys know right now. This is not the worst match on the show. This is the best match on the show. And it it really is better than like if you see if I were to like take some of the matches on this show out of context and be like, here's three matches. Hogan and Vader and like Arn and Johnny B. Bad and then Sting and Big Bubba Rogers and ask you like, well, of these three matches, without any like rules or stipulations, what's the best one? You probably wouldn't have picked this one. No, definitely. No, probably not. You'd probably pick the Arn match because Arn is good (laughs) and uh, we know that... Johnny can carry. Johnny Johnny can be carried, especially in that I mean, that like lo- that mid card scene. Yeah. He's had a lot of work with guys that can carry a match. Regal taught him a lot. Yeah, Austin Regal taught him Austin a taught him a lot. Dustin, did he have matches with Dustin? Probably had some Pillmans, but you know that that golden era that lasted that never was history. Yeah. <laughs> the things that could have been. Tony starts telling us about Slamboree, our next WCW pay-per-view. We're going to get another WCW Hall of Fame. That's right. Legends Second, maybe third one, I don't know. 
Bobby and Shivani then discuss the upcoming matches and remind us that Jimmy Hart still isn't around. Oh, man. Tony then sends us to a video package where we see Harlem Heat and the Nasties having a match at Clash of the Champions 29, where Sister Sherry would join Harlem Heat, helping them win. At Starcade, they had a rematch with the teams brawling out around the ring, and then at Super Brawl, where the Nassies look to have won, but the ref's change decision causes a DQ. We then go to the locker room, and Mike Tenay's there with the Nasty Boys. Knob says they're going to tear down Tucson. Tucson? Okay. Following by both saying <laughs> that they're going to stuff Harlem Heat into the trash. Maybe he's had some punch. Yeah. Fuck. There was some old rock song where they say Tucson, and I can't think of what it is. Um, Philadelphia, Atlanta, LA. It's, uh, is that the Eagles? Tanae then sends us to a video package where we get highlights of Harlem Heat squash matches on WCW Saturday night. I want to remind you of what the scoreboard of this, of this match. They have now given us two promos and three video packages on Harlem Heat versus the Nasties. Yeah, I will say that the packages on the show are good because they're quick and they're just power moves. So I think that they're pretty nicely edited, but we don't need that much. We've had enough Nasty Boys, and the Harlem Heat with the Nasty Boys is already outstanding. It's welcome. Mm-hmm. But like we don't our tagged our WCW primetime tag team division is, is long is long gone. We 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 that's Steiners aren't here. They're like yeah, like Hollywood Blondes are gone. Ugh. I mean, our third tag team might be the, the Patriot and Bagwell. Yeah, like Doom. Doom yeah, yeah, we don't have Doom anymore. We don't have the, oh shit, what is it? Pretty Wonderful's gone because Pretty Roma, Wonderful. Roma's but gone. But we don't have Jim Cornette's team. Midnight Express have been gone for so long, dude. Yeah, but we had some rock and roll a little bit. But like, what was the team that they had with? Heavenly Bodies? No, the, no, the uh, there was the Hillbilly guys that had like one really great match. Oh, Tex Salinger and... No, no. They're the god ones in WWF. Mm. I can't remember it. It was a great fucking match, but it was a... Well, it definitely wasn't Tex Salinger and yeah, Shanghai no. Pierce thing. It was. It was a long time ago. It was a rock and roll in Midnight versus, like, two guys... Wild-Eyed that, Southern Boys. Wild-Eyed Southern... That Wild-Eyed Southern Boys match. The Tracy one, Smothers hasn't been here in forever, I dude. know, I know. Like, I you're, bring it, you're, you're bringing I know. up teams that haven't even... talked about him going for the NWA championship. Been around even, even Doom's been four gone years. for... Yeah, even Doom's <laughs> been gone forever. I know, but I'm just... Uh, I Here, where we're at right here, you just kind of remember how you had it at one point. Unforgettable. <laughs> yeah, you remember the Unforgettables. <laughs> like mean, uh, the Wild Eyes Maybe in about a year, there'll be some outsiders coming or uh, something. Maybe... So we go to our sixth match, Harlem Heat of Stevie Ray and Booker T with Sister Sherry versus the Nasty Boys of Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags in a Texas Tornado Falls Count Anywhere match for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. And by the way, this is our concession stand match in Tupelo, and I want to... Let you know that I was right about it being Tupelo where the concession stand match originally or, or originated, but it was 79 and it was Bill Dundee and Jerry the King Lawler versus Larry Latham and Wayne Ferris pre Honky Tonk Man. 
And uh, you mean Brutus the Barber Beefcake? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, but oh, the butcher. They, you know, they had a knockdown drag out. Got a bunch of tickets out of doing these kinds of matches in this area. Onita, I don't know if he was on this show or he was there for the second or third one, but it inspired him after his injury to start doing the wild ass FMW stuff. So there's some history about the two blow. There's a reason they're doing this two blow concession thing because we're about to get to a spot where we're like, oh, well, that's not an actual concession stand. That is a poor ass movie set. Yes. And they did not plan how slippery a slurpee is on concrete. So the champion's music <laughs> plays first. Is that foreshadowing? Yeah. Who knows what In we're doing show, here. It's hard to tell. Yeah. It's a blender of uh, like people getting DQ'd in DQ matches. Maybe champions are safe to enter first now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a turd in the punch bowl. Sherry comes out with the belts, but no Stevie Ray or Booker T to be seen. She keeps looking back, yelling for them to come out. The Nasties then get in the ring where Sherry is saying she doesn't know where they are. When Harlem Heat all of a sudden comes in from out of the crowd to attack the Nasties from behind. Sneaky. Everybody's just brawling with Stevie hitting a clothesline and a turnbuckle smash on Brian while Sags has been tossed to the floor. Booker with a Harlem sidekick on knobs before going after Jerry on the floor, running him into a ring post. Posted. Stevie Ray picks Brian up for a pile driver, with Booker T coming in off the top rope for the spike. And Stevie twists on the landing, which you're supposed to fall straight back. So I literally have no clue how Nobbs doesn't break his neck on this. Yeah, okay, I don't, I don't remember quite catching that, but I mean, Stevie Ray is not the guy you want giving you the powerbomb. No offense, Stevie Ray, but a little bit of offense because like... I would rather take it from Booker T, a man who is a better wrestler. Steve Ray's a big, strong guy, but he just doesn't have the touch. Yeah, a little, little sloppy at times. Sags comes back in the ring for everyone to just brawl again, until Stevie Ray and Jerry go back out to the floor, while Booker joins them for a double-team big boot, which Sags completely no-sells. Booker T is sitting to a guardrail by Jerry on the outside, while Knobs clotheslines Stevie inside the ring. The Nasties with a double-team punch on Stevie Ray, and then they drag Sister Sherry into the ring, ripping away a part of her attire, before giving her a pit stop. Oh my gosh. That was the poor lady. Yeah. But I mean, Sherry's game. She we is, all know that. Just, yeah. It's yucky, these big fat boys with their armpits. Yeah, that's... I, I, as that happened, I looked at Sherry as she had her face down in the mat, and I can only imagine her thought was... What the fuck am yeah, I what doing? am I doing here? Yeah, well, it's a, such a shame there was no fucking women's division, but at the same time, if there was, we wouldn't have got some of the Sherry stuff that we did get. It is what it is. Yeah, she's talented enough. She can multitask. Yeah, she's the best. Harlem Heat makes the save, but it sags again no cells, dragging Stevie out to the floor to dump a trash can onto his head. Jerry and Stevie Ray start brawling down the aisle while Brian clotheslines Booker inside the ring. Knobs tosses Booker T to the floor where they start brawling down the aisle as well. While we see Sags and Stevie have made their way to a concession stand, 
on the floor of the arena next to the stage. The concession stand looks like a... um, State fair... It's a state fair, but it looks like a state a, cart. a state fair, like from a like nineteen fifty or from like an after school special. They, or something. they watch they watched Grease, and yeah. then they went, "We should make our concession stand look like that." That's a good point because it I looks if Turner had the rights to Grease at the time. It looks very like <laughs> he probably did. It looks very stage play. It doesn't look real. It looks like a stage play thing where it's like, well, you know, we know this is like off Broadway, so like you know. Suspension of disbelief, but it's hard to, to like. This is we had the merch stand thing with Cactus and the Nasties, mm-hmm. and that was a little bit more believable. But they also mm, kind of not really, maybe just a little bit. But I think it's because they did more with it. But Cactus is a big part of that, and we're about to this is about to turn into a food fight. Tony even yells that. As Jerry throws cotton candy at Stevie Ray. Oh my god. When Sherry attacks from behind, choking Sags. I don't know if you guys know this, but cotton candy is very similar to a hay bale. Heavier than you think. Stevie smothers Sags with a whole lot of cotton candy. When Brian shows up to throw a container at the head of Stevie Ray. Oh my cavity. Everybody is slipping and sliding on the slushy mix that has been spilt on the floor. They really are slipping and sliding. So it is we, hard to watch. I just think keep thinking someone's going to fall back and smash their head on the concrete because this is an old coliseum. So it's just like straight unfinished concrete. We get more sloppy brawling when Knobs gets some mustard and starts throwing it everywhere. I feel so bad for Heat. They get like mustard in their eyes. And I'm like, oh, you sons of bitches. All of a sudden, Brian has a hockey stick, but he slips and falls as he tries to use it. And the brain chimes in with, just wait till they get to the mayo, ketchup, relish, and onions. Just wait. Just wait. Booker T sends knobs into the funnel cakes and starts choking him, getting him down on the floor to make a cover for a two count. Jerry breaks a basket over the head of Stevie as Sherry gets sent into a trash can. Booker then sends Brian into the funnel cake stand once more, where it all collapses, causing everyone to wipe out. Yeah, it's so it's legitimately scary to watch because you just think that somebody is going to fall on their head. It, yeah, break of something. Yeah, like they can't. They legitimately can't it. stand. They're in like wrestling boots, and there is like sugary liquid on like concrete. But it's not asphalt. It's like a slick fucking concrete floor. Sags hits a low blow on Stevie Ray while Nobbs hits a power slam on Booker T. Which we hear the ref make a three count. But the camera pans away to watch Stevie and Jerry go into some lighting equipment. Just... So we don't see the cover. All of a sudden the bell rings. Ding, ding, ding. And nobody has any clue what's going on. LOL what? Post-match, Jerry shoves Sherry down into the slush again while Brian drops a sign across the back of Booker. We finally see a replay of Booker T not kicking out after the power slam. So that means... And And new! By the way, he totally kicked out. (laughs) Yeah, He kicked out at... He kicked out, like, at a perfect, like, 275... 288 like he kicked out and i was probably because he was like fuck you who cares i'm mad 
Well, he probably was supposed to kick out, but the people in the back were probably telling Nick Patrick in his ear, just finish this. Who shit. cares? Yeah, we can put the belts on any on either of these two guys any night of the week. It doesn't matter. We don't have a tag team division. We go to the back. Mike Tanay is there with Vader, and Vader just steals the mic and scares away Tanay before saying Hogan has nowhere to hide, and because it's uncensored, unsanctioned, Hulk is in big trouble. The demon stands before you. He talks about Hogan and Flair have a combined 23 titles as the nature boy joins him. Flair even painted his nails is when I noticed it. It's like, oh my gosh, like, holy crap. So Such a shame that like Flair can't be having a fucking match. And is it, <laughs> is it weird that Ric Flair in drag or with his eyeliner. makeup, eyeliner, yeah. everything on there, all I could think when I looked at him was, wow, Eric, or Eric, David Flair looks so much like his dad. Because <laughs> yeah. there's, there's at one point that David Flair has makeup. And so. Yeah. Rick starts talking about how he's heard his entire career about Hulk being the guy, and that he couldn't beat him. That he was always bigger. But tonight, Nate is going to help end Hulkamania. We then get a video package showing the Nature Boy attacking Hogan at the end of Super Brawl 5, followed by Vader and Flair cutting a promo on WCW Saturday Night, where the Hulkster would come out, only to be held back by security. Hold me back. Hold me back. On the very next week, Saturday night, Vader would be attacked by Hogan during a match with a leather strap before seeing Hulk telling everyone he would have an ultimate surprise, which, like we said earlier, was revealed to be the Renegade earlier in the evening. Surprise. So we're headed to our seventh match. Vader with the nature boy Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan in a leather strap match. No Jimmy Hart. No renegade? Michael Buffer says those magic words. Unsanctioned, and unbelievable. Get ready to <laughs> Watch strap this. it up. I'm sure. As the Hulkster comes out, Tony and Bobby are asking, Where's Jimmy Hart? Where's Renegade? And we get the rules of a match. They're a Michael favorite. You beat down your opponent and drag them around the ring to touch all four corners. Before everyone's hooked into the strap, Vader tosses the ref down to the floor. That's right. And he never reappears. <laughs> I know, I forgot that, that he tossed the ref at the beginning, because I remember watching this match and be like, there's no ref I hope this he whole match? His ankle. And everyone's just standing around being intimidating when all of a sudden, music hits. Bum, bum, bum. And it's the Renegade! Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is that? Yep. Because it's definitely then. not the Ultimate Warrior. No, it is not Jim uh, Ahovic. He does not have the, sounds rude to say, horse face of Jim Helwig, who has a gigantic, distinct face. Yeah. This man has the body, but his face is a tiny, normal man's face. Yeah, he's got like small head, big hair, yeah. big muscles. But like Jim Helwig has a face that but matches wearing, his like, huge body. <sighs> Kind of like ribbit, ribbon-y, but like it's like kind of fringe, like fringe. What was that not to talk the guy's name? Fuck. What is that guy's <laughs> name? He was the guy that, he was like... Charlie had, Norris? Yeah, yeah uh, there Char- you go. Yeah, yes, yes, Charlie Norris had no body at all, yeah, but he was doing like his gimmick. took something that was inspired for him, but gave it to somebody who could actually wear it, because... 
don't know. He yeah. just had like this. This guy looks like Warrior in like he is. This guy is fucking huge. He looks great, but the face. Jim Helwig has such an intense and large and weird face. Yeah. I have a friend who I will not name that looks kind of like that looks more like Jim Helwig in the face than anybody else on this planet, and it's weird. I would never tell them that because. Well, you should invite rude. them over sometime, and I won't tell them that. I just want to see it now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I'll find a photo. I don't know. Do they listen to the podcast? I doubt it. Okay. I haven't seen them in, a, in at least a year or two. If you're listening, come hang out. Yeah, good friend. Good friend. <laughs> I uh, love them dearly. So Renegade clears the ring and then stalks Flair down the aisle to the back, while Vader and Hogan start brawling on the floor, with Hulk choking the big man with the strap. He's angry. So he has to do this heel stuff. I mean, Jimmy's missing. It's a strap obviously, match. Obviously, Vader had something to do with it. Back in the ring, more choking with the strap as Renegade and the Nature Boy have made their way back to ringside. Yeah, Rick and old Rennie are uh, playing cat and mouse. And here I'm like, no ref. I guess I missed when he threw the ref out. Yeah. Because I just remember there being no ref at all. I just must have been taking a note or something whenever I did it. But I was like, there's no ref? And it makes sense, because this shit gets unhinged. Nate keeps acting like he's going to jump in the ring. <laughs> but Renegade just plays bodyguard well enough to scare him off. Hulk whips Vader with a strap when Flair slides in. So Hogan starts whipping him too. Sending the nature boy rolling back out where the Renegade just gets in his face, screaming at him. So Nate starts giving him chops, only for him to be no-sold. And then starts stalking Flair up the aisleway once more. And Bobby Heenan is just like putting over this Ric Flair character change. This is not the Ric Flair he knows. Yeah, and... He's like, more crazed. There's so many times in this match where like Hogan takes the strap off of his wrist and puts it back on his wrist. That should be like a disqualification or, or something. Or something, yeah. But it's like, well, it's a strap match. It's unbelievable. That's, it's that's a, an I quit right there. Just yeah. like taking it off. Yeah, he takes it off a bunch of times and puts it back on throughout the match, and it's just a match. But I guess if you have no official, I mean, what? A stipulation. What are you do? A stipulation I don't even <coughs> care for already, and we're like, and we throw it out the window. Baby with the bathwater, like truly. Hulk with an eye rake, right hands send Vader rolling to the floor to regroup, but Renegade comes back to throw the big man back into the ring. Vader starts using his power to pull Hogan into several avalanche splashes as the nature boy is back at ringside. Vader with a body slam, a Vader bomb, and follows up with a strap-assisted choke before taking the strap off of Hulk's wrist to use it as a weapon. All of a sudden, Jimmy Hart comes running down to the ring, not looking quite as dapper as he usual, but he still has his megaphone. Of course. Vader continues the punishment with the strap, with Hogan rolling out to the floor, only for the big man to follow and grab a chair, which, when he goes to use it, Jimmy distracts him long enough for Hulk to grab it and use it multiple times on Vader. I know, Vader takes at least one unprotected headshot. There was a spot in here where, like, Bobby points out that Hogan's taking the strap off of his wrist, and he's like, what are we going to do about this? And Tony Schiavone says, Nothing. It's uncensored, and then Bobby just goes, ah, like, just disappointedly goes, ah, like, not, like, and I, I feel you, buddy. I fucking feel you. Mm -hmm. 
Hogan reattaches the strap to himself before going back to whipping and choking with it. More chair shots before pulling Vader into the ring post. Posted. Several times. Posted. Posted. Well, what he does is he puts the strap back on and Hogan slides through the ring where near the post where the post is and he's on the other side of the post the strap wrapped around the post and pulls vader into it it's pretty it's like pretty intelligent thing to do here in the strap match but the fact that hogan's been taking it off and on kind of negates it so i think it's a smart a smart and interesting thing to do we get more chair shots from hulk when flair and renegade both get in the ring where the wild man no-sells a shoulder block and does some more yelling as our actual competitors get back in the ring. More whipping, a low blow with a strap by Hogan, before tossing Vader out to the floor, where Hulk delivers a clothesline and a body slam, with Renegade keeping the nature boy at bay. Hogan starts dragging Vader around ringside, touching ring posts, getting to the count of two. From ringside. Mm-hmm. Not from inside of the ring. When the big man pulls Hulk into a guardrail, hits a headbutt before giving a shot to the renegade, which again is no-sold. They roll back into the ring where Vader hits a choke slam, a splash in the middle of the ring, more whipping, and a vertical suplex. I love that Hogan took a choke slam. It's, nice, it's just nice to see him take a bump. And that's a legit back bump. But he no-sells it immediately. We know. Hulk starts whipping with the strap. Big boot. Leg drop. Drags Vader to one. One. Two. Three. He's stretching for the fourth. When a masked man comes running out. Giving a chair shot to Renegade. And then tosses the chair to Flair. Who delivers a chair shot to Hogan. And the chairs are wooden chairs now. So they look incredible. Because they're probably made of balsa wood or something. When they hit them they just like shatter. Which looks really nice. I've never had a chair shot before. I almost kind of want one instead of watching this match. Mm. <laughs> no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, my God. I just think about the fact that they use those chairs and how bad that would have been. <laughs> For uh, you listening, Matt, we sit in steel chairs because uh, we're doing professional wrestling. That's right. We want that authentic experience. We, yeah. It's like we're ringside. Exactly. I gave a Harley raced chair shot to Shane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right to the head. Poor Harley. You, you could have hit this little knot on the top of my hat Ugh. here, and it could have severely damaged my fontanelle. Oh, no, if no. If it's still no. there. I don't know. I'm I don't know what I would have so. done if Matt actually hit you with that chair. Laughed. No, I could not have <laughs> laughed. I don't know what I would have done. I would have been so disappointed with my friend. So you would have stand up you. and said, Uncensored! <laughs> Unsanctioned! Matt, you're unhinged. Uncalled for! Unimpressed? Unimpressed, yeah. Vader starts dragging Hulk around the ring for one. Two. Nature Boy with a chair shot to Renegade. Three. Nate wants to dish out some more punishment, telling the big man to hit a splash. So Vader comes off with a senton. Only for Hogan to move out of the way. No. Unbelievable. (laughs) Flair is in disbelief as well. So he drags Vader to the floor, removing the strap, before hitting another chair shot on the Hulkster. But now it's Hulk up time. Uh, It's extra silly. It's Terry time. Here we go. 
Hogan starts whipping the Nature Boy. Big Boot tears Nature's shirt off, followed by attaching the strap to Flair, dragging him around the ring to touch all four corners for the win. Right as Vader runs in to Avalanche Splash Hulk. With Bobby yelling, He's not even the right guy! They, he's a hundred ta- at least a hundred pounds less than the right guy. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Post-match... He's fucking fingernails painted. <laughs> he's Vader, not the flair we know! <laughs> Vader and Nate go for a double-team strap-assisted clothesline. Only for Hogan to duck and deliver a double clothesline of his own. Ugh. All while Renegade just keeps running around the ring side because he like he doesn't know how to get into the ring. Yeah, he's pretty similar to uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Renegade finally comes into the ring with a chair, and all four men just stare at each other. When the masked man comes running back down with a chair of his own. Masked man's into the ring, but who's right behind him? Flair is celebrating this advantage that he has now when all of a sudden Arn Anderson comes out from the back all tied up, dressed like a masked man. He's taped up like a Scooby-Doo character, Mm -hmm. like wrists and ankles, and he's like waddling to the ring. So the Nature Boy literally, you can see in the screen behind Arn Anderson, you can see Ric Flair kind of go, if you're there, then who is... And right as he turns the point, the masked man in the ring turns on Vader and Nate, using the chair on them to clear the ring before taking his mask off. And it's Macho Man Randy Savage. And of course, now Hogan must pose with his friends Mm -hmm. as Tony and Bobby say their goodbyes before we fade to black. I will say, as soon as they start to do the pose or whatever... Maybe one of the best things on the whole show. The camera goes to a little Hulkster in the front, and it's just like chubby little boy, like like flexing like he's the Hulkster. Maybe the highlight of the show because it's very cute and very funny. But that's a problem if that's a highlight. Uh-huh. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Uncensored 1995? Uh, how did Savage get the blood on his cheek? Fighting with Arn, tying him up. Yeah, you think Savage, like, I was thinking, I was like, well, he just got here. Nobody hit him. Maybe Savage is so good that even when he's dragged into dog shit, he bladed his cheek to show that if there was a fight. If he had bladed, he would be fired. True. So let's but say but, he but, didn't do but, but, Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who knows? But he had some blood on his cheek, and I was like, where did it come from? Maybe it was a splinter from the balsa wood chairs. It's one of Rick, Rick Flair's nails. Oh, Got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Old fancy Flair. Show is rough, but I think that it's so wild and, like, goofy bad that it was a little bit easier to watch than the last one. And I don't know if that's true, but... It is memorably bad. I'll say that. Memorably stupid. A shame. Tell us the real truth, Shane. I'm trying uh, to be I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this moderately conservative. I'm going to keep my moderately answer positive. Moderately positive. It was fucking gross. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. It does suck. This show can go into a dumpster and stay there along with the bunkhouse stampede. 
It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's bad. I said it earlier. Big Bubba Rogers is that match was my favorite match on this show. That tells you all you need to know about this show. I will say that maybe that's my favorite match. Second favorite match might be Arn and Johnny Bad. Bad. And that's a problem, too. Because that was a boxer versus wrestler match where Arn Anderson did... He did two wacky comic things that are not like Arn Anderson. He sold them very well. Bucket on the head, then comes out like his tied-up Scooby-Doo character. I want to... I left this for now instead of... Usually I tell these kind of facts when we're first talking about pay-per-views, but yeah. I left it for now because this just, when I read this after watching the show, I was like, how dare you, WCW? So pay-per-views at this point have been 1995 to order, okay? Yeah, 20 bucks. Not a horrible price. It's like With inflation, it probably matches the 50 bucks they were in... The late 90s and early 2000s or whatever. It's like, yeah. This show was the first one that they raised the prices to $27.54. $27.54. What a a weird number. That is just Mm -hmm. disrespectful. It's robbery. To your fans that you're going to raise the prices... And then put this pile of garbage. There was the there was there wasn't the closest thing to a wrestling match on this show was Ray Trailer, Big Bubba Rogers, Big Boss Man, the Guardian Angel versus Sting. The Stinger. Steve Borden. Tag team partner of uh, the original Renegade, the ultimate warrior. Yeah. Also, like, was Renegade, were they just trying to tease him as Ultimate Warrior? Were they trying to get Warrior? Yes, and they, they literally just kept they were just showing him in shadow as... As if it was the Warrior. But they never had the that's Warrior. That's literally what he continues to do. He has a short run over the next but year. so obviously not But the then warrior. he literally, after his short run, after... Uh, spoiler alert, Ultimate Warrior finally does come into WCW. Yeah. But there are times when they were like... Oh, we ha- we need this quick shot of, like, of him in like shadow or something. They used Renegade as that instead of having Hellwig come in and just do like these one little pickup shots. Because Hellwig's like. a fucking dick fag. Yeah, I'd say he probably wouldn't come in for it. It's got to be X amount of money. But then again, I mean, they had Turner money, so they could. And Turner, whatever. you know what Turner money does? There's a reason why, like, the world. when like Vince, whatever you want to say about him. He's a businessman. There's a reason, like, good or bad, he is a good businessman, whether you like the practices or don't. But WCW is just, like, throwing money at a wall as if it's a fucking Jackson Pollock painting. They do throw money at a guy named The Wall later on. And you get Jackson Pollock quality of art where it's like, well, I mean, I don't know if it's good. It's like one of those things where it's like, I'm not a big art guy, but... You see things and you like them. But with Jackson Pollock, I'm like, well, I don't really know. If I like this, I guess it looks okay. But, like, what's special about it? The fact that they did it? Well, the fact that they did this is, uh, like you said, disrespectful. <laughs> disrespectful to the wrestling community. And I view wrestling as a art form. You know what? Their uh, audience, I think, the turnout... 
should have told them everything. The turnout is small. Did did we say what the buy rate was on that? I didn't. We didn't get. We don't have a buy rate. But like, made me wonder how many people, if if they weren't wanting to show up to it, how many people wanted to actually sit at home and watch it and pay. But at the same time, like, I mean, this might have been a sellout though. (laughs) Yeah, like this arena is not very big. It it looks very full. It does not look like it looks super full, but it is in a coliseum in Tupelo. So I, the chances of it, like, if it's five seven or whatever the count was that we did it off the top. It may have been a 6,000-person room. It may have been a 5-5 five, five or 5-7 five, or something, but, like, it's not a big room. So, like, they got their money for sure, but they also spent a lot more money than they probably have in the past, especially with the first match. Yeah. The, like, trailer days. match, that's wildly expensive. And then having to shut down a highway and... Yeah, and they and having to shoot it and like using a helicopter shots like that's really expensive. I hope Dustin got paid really well. Same with uh, Blacktop. I hope they they got a decent payout, even though it was stupid. Yeah, it was fucking ballsy, but such a shame. We like just like we're about to watch WrestleMania eleven next week. Spoiler alert: I've already watched WrestleMania eleven. WrestleMania 11 is known to be one of the least loved WrestleManias. It is a great wrestling show. Mm-hmm. It's a good to great wrestling pay-per-view. This is not a wrestling pay-per-view. No. This is not really wrestling. This is like a Where's Waldo of wrestling, you know? Yeah. Try and find the wrestling somewhere yeah. in it's, the middle of all this shit. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's somewhere between like Attitude Era, Shock and Awe. But like it doesn't have the shock or the yeah, awe. The only awes is, you know, oh, bless your heart. Yeah, it but it, it like the fuck like it's supposed to be try? shocking, but it's not. And there's like, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, it's a shame we're gonna get more uncensored. I thought this was a one-off. I didn't realize it was a continuing. Hey, hey, you know. I just Star looked up. The, I just looked up. up. I just looked up the buy rate, and it basically was the same buy rate that they got for Super Brawl Five. Okay. So it's Which basically is. the same people. Uh, it says point nine five. I, oh, okay. I don't know what that means. Yeah, like was it the rest? I know WrestleMania is like three million, maybe. I don't know. But well, no, WrestleMania maybe. was three hundred and fifty thousand. So this is probably less than that, I'd imagine. Oh yeah. But it might. But maybe it's more because of the Hogan. But at the same time, at least we had fucking Jarrett and Razor and Sean and Diesel matches on that show. Uh, well, you know, it's such a shame because. WCW had some fucking starts. Mm-hmm. Starts and stops and starts and stops, but they never focused on they've never focused on the wrestling, which is why they were WCW preferred at a point in time. And then they decided they wanted to go the easy route instead. Yeah. Why why try and create people when you can bring in somebody that people already know and are sick of and Yeah. And what's up what's so funny? So we'll see on WrestleMania eleven it was a 1.4. So, okay, it has a bigger buy rate. So it's at least a half of a half of a point on the buy rate. Okay. So, so you could difference. imagine that's probably like another 50,000 people at least. Probably probably no, more. Yeah. Probably more because yeah, the other one is 350 buy rate, so I assume that's 350,000 people. So, you know. But they didn't they didn't get their fucking money's worth. Mm-mm. I'll say that much. And I just hate Hate that, like Sting can't be Sting, Flair can't be Flair, and Macho gets brought in 
just to not be a star, and he gets the biggest pop of the night. We could have had Macho versus Sean, you guys. We could have had Macho versus Vader. Well, no. They had Macho versus Sean, but they fucked him over yeah. up north, so he went down south, and now he's just mid-carding and being Hogan and Sting's buddy. Yeah, he's mid-carding, but he's not a mid-card guy. Don't be mad. He gets the big pop. The big <laughs> pop. Ugh. Well, we won't suggest uncensored, guys. No. We watch the matches so you don't have to. Yep. Yeah, don't. Don't. Just don't. Save yourself. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. It's time we smark it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show? <laughs> um, the shit show. After after just shitting on it for the last five minutes. The shit show that is everybody falling is really, in hindsight, kind of hilarious. Like, I think that somebody could supercut it into Benny Hill music, and it would be very funny. Oh, okay, that one. I'm yes, like, everybody the, falling, what? Yeah, the one where they spill a Slurpee on the ground and everybody slips. The Tupelo concession stand tag match, which is not good. Bubba Rogers and Sting having some ring psychology. Yeah, best match of the night for sure. I'm going to give uh, Sherry a big up, even though this is not the best Sherry showing we've seen. She is Sherry and she's great. And here, everybody is kind of forced to do something they're not very good at. I'm going to give a, a fucking purple heart to Arn Anderson for being a hero in the face of stupidity. Hmm. I'm going I'm to give, I'm gonna give props. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was terrible. I'm giving props yeah. just for what they had to do to Rhodes and Blacktop Bully. Absolutely. Wrestling on a moving trailer fucking difficult absolutely it's so stupid and they have such balls for doing it and they really did do the best they could with it yeah honestly i think they did a great job for something as dumb and not very cinematic not very like how do you make that look good i i almost want to like obviously macho man and avalanche is probably the second best match on the show i'd agree macho man gets such a huge but the ending of it just sours the match so much in my mouth Yeah. yeah That I, I don't want to say that. So literally, I feel like Dustin Rhodes in this, like I said, shit show. I don't feel like it was a great match by any means, mm-hmm. but it might actually be the second best match. Second best match yeah. on the show. And Macho Man gets the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, he gets a standing ovation when he comes out for his first singles match in WCW, and he deserves it. And he works hard, but like to what end? He can work as hard as he wants to. If Avalanche is getting blown up, it doesn't matter. Yep. True. Find me one thing, Shane. Come on, you can do it. Let's see here. Less Jimmy Hart. Bobby being honest. So, yeah, I mean, Bobby was already going to get a, a mention just because of his who cares, who knows. Yeah, and he had some good one-liners here, for sure. Spirit animal. No um, bunkhouse buck. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have bunkhouse buck, but we had enough old Colonel Parker. Marie Trainer no yeah, longer being the guardian say, angel. Bobby. Oh, Sting leg drop. Feels. Sting leg dropping the, the hat, hat and throwing it to a huge pop was pretty good. Yeah. Sting also grabbing the, line, the. Somebody's gonna elbow drop a jacket. And it's yeah. gonna make you forget all about that. Sting, uh, Sting grabbing his tie for the jawbreaker. Nice there touch. You go. Yeah, I'll give but, that. But that's also, like you said, the best match on the show. And it's one of the better moments in yeah. that match. The the tie 
Jawbreaker is a good one. Bobby being my spirit animal is another one with his yeah. Bobby telling the, it like it is. Not as much on the sauce here, but he was definitely not on the sauce as much this time. Yes, but he which is that is a good moment. That is good because he that, actually that last show was just rough with yeah. him. Well, it's helpful too because like we're not having a very good time watching this, so we're like kind of relying on Bobby to help us through it. Because <laughs> we know Tony is about uh, as funny as the Holocaust. Like he's just fucking Tony Schiavone. Like we like him, but he's fucking not particularly charismatic. How about most disappointing? Start to finish. Yeah, I mean this show. For me, it really is Flair being uh, just dropped further into this like side thing obscurity obscurity and then macho man being like pulled into because like macho man if they didn't macho man if they didn't know dq match and they they get dq but like even macho man coming out at the end is as the like masked man and it's like he's just pulled into hogan's wing even further and it's like if hogan just fucked off macho man i'll admit i laughed macho man could have been could have brought just as much money into this company once again wcw just completely overbooks yeah. the finish of the main event. Like, it's okay to have a clean finish in a match. Yes. Especially when you're not going to continue this storyline. Mm-hmm. I'm just like... And, the, the, like, it, it chaps my ass that Macho Man gets the biggest pop of the night here. And they could have not brought in Hogan, brought in Macho Man for less money, and probably still made the same amount of money because Macho Man is such a like he's got the jerky thing going and he's got the biggest pop of the night and they don't have to pay him as much and i think that they could have still been drawing that amount if they popped macho man into the top of this company with a flare sting vader situation we wouldn't even need hogan and we would obviously get Hogan's a better the money man he is but i think macho could have done it at this time I mean, maybe I'm talking out of my ass. It would have helped, but it's not going to push them yeah, over the top. Maybe not. But I just feel like that it could have, they could have built it up that I way. I mean, that's a complaint. You're going to continue to have this complaint. I know. You just have to kind I of know. get over it. Because I know. It's, I know. It, Hogan makes sense for, for business. If, you're a, if you were a business person, you were going to bring in Hogan if you have the chance. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. As much as we hate it. I know. I get it. You're going to do it. I totally do, but I just feel like watching Macho Man have that that big of a pop. I'm like, could, we could have just brought him over here and built it, but it is what it is, and this is where we're at. Um, most disappointing for me, everything twice, everything twice. But um, the Arn Anderson, I mean, I know you made a geek twice. Yeah, I mean, they had this. Great little video of him talking about being a badass. Yeah, da, outside da, 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 of the Bronco. Da, da. And then he ends in up field. with a bucket on his head getting, you know, punched I should, out. I should have probably put that in and one then, of my best, because I thought that was a great moment. I really do think it at was At the great. end with him walking out, like he still put tells it as it a so Scooby-Doo well. thing. It just, it was just too much stupidity for Arn, and Arn isn't a make-me-look-stupid wrestler. Everyone in WCW is a make-me-look-stupid <laughs> wrestler other than Hulk Hogan. Yeah. How about best performer of the night? That guy driving the truck. I mean, I've already said that it was Big Bubba Rogers. Yeah, Bubba was great. <laughs> Sting, Sting in a match where he's not being led like by a flare or a rude or something. 
Like, is pretty Sting nice is for him. He's better than I think you give him credit for. I think he is better than I give him credit for. I will agree with you. How about most surprising? Maybe that they... That they thought people uh, would enjoy this. This was the first Extreme Rules, guys. Maybe the most surprising... Every match had a, yeah. had a stipulation. I guess the most surprising... And there was no title matches. I guess the well, most... Well, actually, no. Tag I, team. Yeah. There was the tag team. Oh. Those belts were on the line. But, I yeah, guess they shouldn't, have been. The they shouldn't have been. <laughs> the most surprising for me would probably be that you told me that this was the first show where they decided to charge more money. I'm like, really? Maybe, maybe they only did it because they knew that this venue only held like five thousand people. Why was Vader not fighting for the belt? Because he lost the previous time, so he doesn't get another. This is just a grudge match. It's just a grudge match. It's Hogan. Yeah. It's just a grudge match. True. Hogan is nothing but grudge matches. Holding onto the belt and having grudge matches. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Macho Man Randy Savage had won the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 4 in a single elimination tournament, celebrating with Miss Elizabeth and fellow mega power Hulk Hogan to end the show. But tensions would arise between the two as Hogan would ask Elizabeth to accompany him to the ring on occasion, which placed her in harm's way, which didn't sit well with Savage. Hulk would be beat down multiple times by the Twin Towers, and while Macho Man would always make the save, he wouldn't always be the most sympathetic, leaving the injured Hogan behind, only for Elizabeth to assist the Hulkster to the back, which again angered Savage. At the Royal Rumble 1989, Hogan would accidentally eliminate the Macho Man, and then finally during the main event too, the tensions would boil over. As the Mega Powers and Twin Towers faced off, Akeem would toss Savage through the ropes, causing him to land on Miss Elizabeth. Hulk would pick her up and take her backstage to the trainer's room, all while Macho was being beat down by the Twin Towers. Elizabeth assured Hogan that she was fine sending him back out to the ring, but when he reached out for a tag, Savage would slap the Hulkster and leave, leaving Hogan alone to win the match. Hulk would return to the trainer's room afterwards, where Macho Man was waiting for him, leading to a confrontation where Savage blamed Hogan for what happened to Elizabeth and being jealous of his championship reign. Hulk tried to calm Macho down to no avail, leading to a physical confrontation that would see Hogan left laying after being nailed by the title belt. Hulk would issue a challenge for WrestleMania V, but Elizabeth declined to be in either man's corner, instead standing in a neutral corner for the match. But she would check on both men as the match progressed. Savage would work the neck and throat of Hulk throughout the match, until he had him set up for the flying elbow, only for Hogan to kick out and begin to hulk up, allowing him to hit the big boot and leg drop for the pin to begin his second reign as champion. Hogan would hold the title for almost a year to the date until the ultimate challenge would arise. Maybe the best storyline in all of WWF. Maybe. Probably. Maybe. Mega Powers. So good. So well done. So doled, doled out correctly. The wrong man. Yep. The wrong man wins. Next week, WrestleMania 11. 
Hartford, Connecticut. We're going Minnie Mac's backyard. Yay, we're not in Philly. Oh, just you wait. Oh. Hey, on the plus side, DCW shows are just getting oh, yeah. kind of better. They're getting better. Definitely better than this show. Better, mm. yeah. They're uncensored, but at least we have a fucking, I don't know. What's Connecticut going to bring our way? Hopefully mm. it's something delicious. I hope so. Not as strong as these drinks. Maybe. But it wasn't strong enough because I finished mine. Oh. I did not because I did not want to have a reason to enjoy this show. Oh. <laughs> uh, I try to be the shining light hey. uh, on uh, a dark corner. That little light of yours, you just oh, keep letting it shine. This was a pretty dark corner. I'm old and set in my ways and had to live through this stuff once already, so yeah. it just angers me twice. I mean, this is the lowest low for Hogan era WCW. <laughs> so far. So you, you don't even know. So far. Yes. I'm saying so far. So far. Yeah. Music from this week's show is Over the Edge by Steve Everett. And um, Hogan won our main event, so we play American Made by oh. Jimmy Hart. Oh. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast app. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Don't be a jerk. Just because the show stunk, I think we did a pretty good job of trying to make it entertaining. We did. I apologize if I've been extra whiny on this episode. It's okay. If you watch the it's show, okay. you'll know why. This is a review show. It is. You gotta be honest. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or recipes. recipes. Yeah, if for some reason you love Uncensored 95, let us know. We do you want... live in Connecticut? What do you eat there? Tell me. <laughs> we want to hear all about your feelings about Uncensored 95. Yeah, we sure, we sure do. We might even read them out on the podcast. Oh, we would absolutely do that. But you can find us, you, but you can do that at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Wrestling Histo X. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.